just going to pray for John before he speaks. Lord Jesus, we just pray for John, ask that you would just come and minister to him and minister through him, mm. that his word will be life for both himself and for us, that you just encourage us and give us ears to hear and an open heart to receive everything you want to uh, speak to us and give a heart that is willing to obey as well and follow you in the things you speak. Mm. So we lift John to you and use him in mighty ways now, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, Thanks to the guys for doing whatever they were doing as they were sitting all looking confused in front of the PC earlier. (laughs) Looking at it, thinking, should we just switch it on and off? On and off? No, switch it on and off. (laughs) Did you? Did it? Amen. It's right on subject. Did you? Um, This morning, I want to... Um, share really from Hebrews chapter 3, and um, we're going to be able to get it on the screen now, will we, Dave? Amen to that. Um, I want to say welcome as well, if you are visiting, it's lovely to see you, and, and um, I trust that you feel welcome here, um, and realise that church is for anyone, that's why a lot of us are here, because <laughs> we're all welcome, but uh, the wonderful thing about church is that we are journeying together to discover more about Jesus, and um, uh, and I, part of this uh, message this morning is about faith, it's about uh, believing in God, but it's also about how God wants us to move into the more of what he has for us, and some of that's come out in the meeting, that God never intended for us just to turn up at church and sing songs and, and read stuff and, you know, not do things or do other things, it's about a personal, living, growing, developing relationship with God. And so that's the the kind of theme. So my title is Entering into the More of God. And um, one of the great stories, just to give you some context of this passage, one of the great stories um, we used to learn in Sunday school growing up, for those of us who went to Sunday school, was the the story of the 12 spies. And uh, we used to know this song, Um, 12 spies went into Canaan, 10 were bad, 2 were good. Um, And it tells this story of that in the history of the people of Israel, how God had led them out of slavery of Egypt, miraculously through the great plagues, um, using the servant of God, Moses. And he led them out of um, Egypt. They went through the parting of the Red Sea. They went through the Red Sea on dry ground. They came out the other end. And God had uh, promised them a land in which they may dwell. And, uh, and they got to, if you like, the gates of the promised land. And, uh, and Moses said, right, choose one person from each tribe. There were 12 tribes, 12 spies, went into Canaan for about 40 days, came out, and they all gave a report. And 10, 10 of them said, oh, it's terrible. It's all, you know, it's a lovely land. They've got wonderful grapes and milk flowing and honey and all this kind of thing. But there's giants there and we're never going to be able to defeat them. You know, it's all gone wrong. And two of the, um, Joshua and Caleb said, no, this is fantastic. Come on, we're ready now. Let's just go up and take the land. It's ours. And the people started to get afraid and then they started to hate on Moses and they wanted to go back to Egypt because it was much better in Egypt where they were slaves and their children, babies were being murdered and all these kind of things. Um, 
And it's this great, incredible story about how these people had completely forgotten the power of God. And, um, and God swore to them and said, okay, that generation will not enter into the promised land and they wandered for 40 years until they died out, until they went back again and Joshua led them into the promised land. And it's a, a wonderful picture of, of God who leads us out of slavery to sin through the waters of baptism, the washing of our lives, washing of sin into a promised place of blessing. And uh, that's the context of our, of our passage this morning because I'm going to read the chapter and uh, it will go up on the screen uh, for those. So uh, just have that story in mind. This people of Israel, they did not enter into the promised place of rest because they did not believe who God was. Okay, chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice... Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So the, the um, Hebrew writer, we don't know who he is. Uh, and by the way, when he talks about brothers, the, the Greek word really means brothers and sisters. So speaking to all of us. And the Hebrew letter 
is written to the Jews by this writer making a case for Jesus. Right at the very beginning, he talks about Jesus. He, he starts right focusing really on this man Jesus, saying Jesus is better than the angels, Jesus is better than Moses, Jesus is the greatest. And this is where the context of this letter. And so what I want us to do really is look at this passage in three ways. The first part, he says, consider Jesus. So that's the first one. I want to think, think about this as faith. How do we believe God for the more of God? How do we enter into the promises of God? The first thing is this. Your focus is on Jesus, okay? Jesus. The second point we look at is the warning of unbelief. And then the third bit is the activity of faith. Focus on Jesus, heed the warning, activate your faith, okay? Are you with me? Good. <laughs> so, um, just turn if, or go to the uh, verse just in um, chapter 1, verse 2. I'll read it from verse 1, but you can just show up verse 2, Dave. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. One of my most favourite verses. Who is this Jesus? This is what the right saying. Consider Jesus. Let's just consider Jesus. But set our minds on Jesus. That's what he means. If we want to be men and people of faith, people that believe God, we need to know, first of all, that our focus has got to be on Jesus. Who is this Jesus? This is what he's saying. And so, he's, he, as I said, he, first of all, he says, he's greater than the angels because to the Jewish, uh, they would believe that the word of God was delivered to Moses through the angels. So the angels are greater than man. But Jesus is greater than the angels. Is he greater than the servant Moses? There's not one person who knew Moses as great as, uh, who knew, knew God like Moses did. But he says he is greater because he is the exact imprint of God. He is God walking on the earth. He's not just a man. And every scholar would agree, every historian would agree that Jesus was a man who walked on the earth. But is he just a man? And this is what he's saying in chapter 3. He says, consider Jesus... And, he, and I, there's three things he says about Jesus. The first thing is, consider Jesus the apostle, chapter 3, verse 1. The apostle. Now, I have not read about Jesus being called an apostle. An apostle is a sent one of God. To the Jewish mind, this is the, reader, the readership originally written to, they would have understood this apostle as an, or an envoy or a, um, a um, beginning with A that we have abroad. Ambassador, thank you, just checking you're listening. Um, they would have understood that an envoy has been a representative carrying the same authority as the king in which they have come from. Jesus was a sent one. He was sent of God. What was he sent to do? Philippians 2 verse 6 to 8 says that Jesus, talking about Jesus, says, though he was in the form of God, 
did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus came into the world, took on the form of humanity to die. Sent of God to die. Jesus wasn't just someone who walked on the earth, who was a great teacher, was a great man, who was killed before his time or killed for some uh, ideal or something. He was sent for the purpose to die on the cross. That's what the first thing he says. Consider this Jesus, because this is important for our faith, that Jesus was a sent one. In chapter 4, verse 15, says this, For we do not have... Oh, no, I'm going to go into that later. Because this wonderful Jesus came in in with this... um, um, incredible mission. And this is what he's pointing out about this um, being sent. And he he goes on, says this in verse 3. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honour than the house itself. Jesus came to build a house. Okay? You can see it there if you look in the verses. He's come, he is a builder of a house. And we are that house, the church. So Jesus was sent of God to die on a cross. He came as well to build a house. And some of you might know the verses in Matthew 16, verse 18. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is the builder of the house. He is the builder of this house of which we are a part. Jesus come as the apostle, the sent one of God, to make something, to build something, to gather something, to gather a people. Consider this Jesus. The next thing he says, consider this Jesus, uh, the apostle and high priest of our confession. The high priest. He's a, a, a man, God, he's a man, he's the apostle, he's the high priest. And this imagery reflects that Jesus came, like the old um, Israel, Israel, um, Israelite priests, once a year would go into the temple and they would make a sacrifice for the sins of the people, covering them for a year that they wouldn't be destroyed because of their sin, but satisfying the wrath of God for a time by blood. Now, we don't see that anymore, but what we see in Jesus, that Jesus came as a high priest. In uh, chapter 2, verse 17, says, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers, that's us, in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation, that means the act of taking the punishment of sin on himself for the sins of the people. In other words, Jesus was sent to be the high priest. Now the priest would come, bring a lamb, slaughter it, and then it would go in flames and that would be the sacrifice. But Jesus was the lamb as we were singing today. He is the lamb, he wasn't the one that presented the lamb, he became the sacrifice. And all the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus and it wasn't poured out on me or you. And that's what the Hebrew writes all about this high priest in chapter 2. 
as we see in 2, uh, two verse 17, and in 4 verse 15 we see this humanity and this godliness of this Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. There is this great chasm between God and man. And the only way to bridge that was if the sin of the world was taken away. But God could not find one pure human being who would do it. So he came as a man, perfect. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the priest. He was the apostle, or he is the apostle. See, when we think about these words, when we're reading them, we've got to think, why is Jesus, this is the Hebrew, what the Hebrews writer is doing, you can read this later, why is he called the high priest? Because there is no one else who is a mediator between us and God. There's no one good enough, there's no one perfect enough, there's no one perfect in churches as well, just in case you're wondering. But Jesus is perfect, the perfect sacrifice. Let's go on, chapter two, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 2, about consider Jesus who was faithful to him who appointed him. He was faithful, in verse 6, Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Jesus is a faithful son. When we talk about faith, sometimes people say, you know, oh, we all have faith. You, when you sat down in that chair, you had faith in that chair that it would hold your weight. And people use this as an example. Um, but it's not actually a very good example because you can look at that chair and you can say, well, I understand and I can trust the structure of that chair. I've also seen someone else sit in it and so I know that that's okay. That's not faith. Faith carries evidence in the things that are unseen. So, see, but the, the thing is as well is that when you... Daniel mentioned last week when he was talking that, in a sense, when he got on that plane to India, he had faith in the, the construction and the scientists and the laws of aerodynamics in order that when he got on that plane, it would reach his destination. See, when you have faith, you have faith in something. You don't have faith in a, an idea. You have faith in someone. And this is the point. See, Jesus is faithful so we might say, as the Bible says in Habakkuk, the just, the righteous, or we could say Christians live by faith. But you can also translate that, they live by faithfulness. And the big question is, whose faithfulness, yours or his? I want to just set aside here on this basis that our faith is based on the faithfulness of Jesus. It's because of what he has done that I stand here this morning and that you sit or you stand, depending on how you're standing or sitting. We are here because of what he has done. God sent his son, and his son did not turn back at the last minute. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he cried out to God. He said, God, Father, if there is any other way, I'll take it. But not my will, but your will be done. And he took the cup of the wrath of God. He went to the cross, and the pain wasn't the nails that went in his hands. It wasn't the nails in his feet. It wasn't the spear in his side. It wasn't the nakedness of his shame. It was the sin and the wrath of God that was poured on him. There was no other way, and he was faithful to go right to the very end for you and for me. Amen? 
So when we are worrying about our situation and we need to trust someone, who can I trust who's going to watch over me? Who can I trust who's going to watch over my children? Faith is about believing in Jesus. Let's talk about Alan, because this is a great story. When I, when I met Alan, he came into the church, he said, I want to get baptised, so we baptised him. Uh, not there and then, but eventually. And he said to me, he said, one day, I'm going to wheel my wife up into the church, and she's going to be worshipping Jesus. And everything was against that happening. Then it Everything. But Jesus met her in her heart, in her, I can't imagine what it's like. I just imagine this. But in that, God spoke because he is faithful. Faithful to hear the prayers of a husband. Faithful to, to work through a husband who would show such love and devotion that we as a church are astounded by. And don't, he, he, he's a humble man. He won't mind me doing this. Because God is faithful. Jesus is faithful. Consider this Jesus. If you want to know what, what it means to have faith, you can't forget Jesus. This is the problem of the people of Israel. They forgot God's faithfulness. They forgot that when Moses came and, he, and declared that God was going to take the people of Israel out and then the ten different um, plagues that went through and then when they went out all the Egyptians gave them their gold and they got to the Red Sea they forgot that even though they thought they were going to die God did a miraculous thing and cleared the way through the Red Sea they forgot that when they coped through the other side God destroyed the Egyptians that were after them they forgot how God had provided for them even bringing water out of a rock they forgot but God is faithful so we've got to remember if we really want to be people of faith, how much of your time are you thinking and focusing on Jesus? I, I, one of my regrets, it's not a big regret, but I remember having a conversation with someone and they said to me, how do you really know that God is real? And my regret was this, is that I went through, I said, well, you know, you can experience the love of God. And I started talking along that line. And, I, and I, as I walked away, I went, oh, do you know what? I should have said, look, just go right back to Jesus. Look at, the con look at the historical evidence. Look at what the Bible says about Jesus. Read about him. Listen about him. See what people say about him. See what has happened in the early church, the, the, uh, the circumstantial evidence, if you like, how people would go to the cross Literally, legend says that Peter himself was nailed on a cross upside down because he didn't want to be killed like Jesus. Jesus, consider Jesus. I, I want to encourage us as a church this morning and over this week of prayer and fasting, maybe we need to go right back to basics and say, Lord, will you just give me a vision of Jesus? Have I forgotten the faithfulness of the Son of God? Have I forgotten who I worship? Have I just got into the run of things, turning up at church and doing all these things and reading my Bible or whatever I do, but have I forgotten that actually it's all about Jesus? 
consider Jesus. Number two, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. It's very harsh words, isn't it? When we use words like evil, society has a different understanding of evil. For God, evil is when you disobey him. Evil is when you go away from God, when you're going the opposite direction from God. We, we take certain things and we call them evil, like we read in the papers. I'm not saying that's wrong. What I'm saying is, is that if it's another way than God's, the Bible calls that evil. An evil, unbelieving heart. Listen to what he says. This is in verse 10. I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. They go astray in the devotion of their heart. They go after other things. And it talks in that same passage, beware of the deceitfulness of sin. It's amazing, isn't it, how we end up doing things because not because we suddenly decide to do them, but slowly the subtleties and deceitfulness were led astray. And it all comes because our eyes have come off Jesus. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Unbelief is when we start to forget who God is and we start to take things off on our own reins, start to live our own life. As I said earlier, these people had forgotten who God was. This is the encouragement to the church. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So if the day is called today, you should be encouraging each other. We should be encouraging each other. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Isn't Jesus amazing? Isn't it about Jesus? You know, when your finances are going down the pan or when your kids are really giving you hassle or when your work is just becoming hard and difficult or whatever's going on in your life in that moment, you need someone to come along and say, but isn't Jesus in control? Isn't Jesus sovereign? Isn't Jesus the one who gives us strength and patience and love for one another? Do you do that? Do you hear that? Today, if it's called today, you should be doing it. Not if it's on a Sunday, if it's called today. That's what he's saying. We need to keep reminding each other because if we're just, we're not swimming upstream, if we stop, we will just go with our feelings and that will go with the way of the world in society and it will just follow the way things are going. As Christians, we swim upstream. It's not easy sometimes to love or to believe or to trust or to be patient with people. So we need to hold fast, be confident in him, keep believing. Chapter 4, verse 2. Good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. The New King James Version, um, which is what I kind of grew up with, I remember this verse in this way. The word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So the first thing is focus on Jesus. You might find it hard to focus on me in this, for however long I speak for. But our goal must be to focus on Jesus. Heed the warning. Exhort one another that you don't fall into unbelief. And the third one, our action, faith. 
believe, the activity of faith. And listen, it's not being mixed with faith, faith uh, with those who heard it. Some here this morning will hear what I'm saying and that word will mix with faith in their hearts and it will produce action. Some will hear it and there will be faith, but they will not act, they will not action on it, it will not mix with that word and it will result in non-action. That's essentially what, how I read that passage. People, those ten men who went and spied out the land came and spoke all the stuff, all the negativity to the people of Israel. And then the two men said, come on, let's go. And they did not mix it with faith. They didn't look to their hearts to believe God in it. So we can't just listen to the word. This word would do nothing for you and I if we don't listen with ears of faith. See, faith is a, is a um, thinking of this terminology. Um, we know that the Bible says that faith is a gift of God. And it's a gift that enables us to engage with God. Faith is, a, is the mechanism by which we step out of the old and into the new. All right? So just go with me on this. Think about these words. Faith is a mechanism by which we enter into the promised rest of God. Faith is the mechanism by which we move out of the natural into the spiritual. Faith is a mechanism by which we connect with God, full stop, and on a deeper level. See, what I'm, what I'm saying is this. We can come and we can sing these songs this morning and the, then the computer can go down. And we don't know what we're singing. We're just catching up with a person next to you who might know the words. Or we can come and everything's working and we're singing and everyone's singing the songs and we can complete do that, all of that in the natural. All of it, because we haven't engaged faith. Faith is the mechanism where we enter into the spiritual realm. When we pray, we can say the words, but in our hearts, faith is the believing mechanism of trusting and relying on God to answer, to hear. Faith is when you're, you're pushing the, your wife up or desiring to push your wife up the ramp into church and you go home and you pray and you say, God, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to activate my faith to believe you that you're going to minister to my wife. You're going to bring truth. You're going to bring love. You're going to bring grace. And you pray and you say, Lord, as I serve my wife, I'm going to believe that you're going to minister yourself to her and then in other words, you can't just go passively home and believe God. Believe is an action. Faith is the noun form of believe. Yeah? yeah? It's a mechanism. This is the word I've been using. It's probably not the best word. But what I mean is you've got to use it. You've got to apply it. You've got to action it. Faith is not feelings. We live by faith, not feelings. You may not feel it. You may not feel like praying and, and, and fasting in whatever manner this week. You will not feel like doing it, I tell you. But by faith, we're going to do it. And I'm going to activate my faith. I'm going to get to the meetings. This is my response to it. And I'm going to come and say, Lord, I want to step out of my natural and into the spiritual. 
And it's faith which is the mechanism. You've got to hear the word, mix it with faith, and then God will move. See, this is the problem that they had. They did not listen. They did not obey. They got stuck in their unbelief because they did not activate faith. See, when you, people again say this, you know, faith is a step, a blind step of faith. No, it's not. Now, you might not know what the outcome of what you're believing for is, but you, if we are believing in the faithfulness of Jesus, if we're believing in the priesthood of Jesus that's given us access into the throne room, if we're believing on this, faith comes by hearing the word of God, and we hear the word, we say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. Hebrews verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 6 says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please him, For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You can't believe God exists without faith. We must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. See, when we pray, and we're going to pray a lot this week, we're going to believe that when we Close out, whatever you do, close your eyes or when you step out your car to walk around the woods or whatever you do in your mode of prayer, when you step out, God is there and you know it because by faith you've entered into the spirit realm. Or maybe for you, you're going to sit down, you close your eyes in silence and you know right there and then you're in the spirit realm. Now I know that we live in the spirit, but I want us to understand the activity of faith. It is not just that you believe that you can go up to someone, pray for their healing, they're going to be healed. Sometimes we put it in this bracket, faith is when there's a problem and I can solve it and I need faith. Faith is the mechanism by which we connect with God, we engage in the spiritual realm and that is the place where God moves. Are you getting me? Good. Because I'm believing by faith you are. (laughs) See, when we come to worship, You know, we can come here and we can sing these songs. As I said earlier, and we can do all these things in the natural. But when we come and in our hearts we say, Lord, I'm yours. That's faith. We've entered out of the natural because where's Jesus? We know the Spirit is here, even now. The Spirit's here. And we move out of our natural problems and struggles and difficulties and challenges into the spirit by faith. And when we come to worship, we come, and I don't know what you do, but this is what I do. When I'm singing that song, I might close my eyes and say, Lord, I'm yours. And I've entered into worship. Other than that, I might have one child coming up here and talking to me, or I might be thinking about this other thing, but being able to come into a time of worship and I'm not relying on the worship team. They should be doing that as well. They should be stepping up to their microphone and saying, Lord, I'm here. Worship. See, our worship times are dependent on that, not on that, the PC, but on our faith activating in worship. See, I think it's quite easy to live um, this life without faith, would you agree? Western society makes it very easy. And, and I've been quite challenged thinking about this. You know, 
Um, see, see uh, I, I read um, a verse this week, and I, and I want to ch- share the ch- same challenge with you. This is Philippians 4, verses 11 to 13. Paul writes, he says, Now I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, this was the challenge. It is easier to believe God in hunger and need. It is harder to believe God in plenty. Because when we have plenty, we don't need God. So we can either say, Lord, thank you for the troubling times, or we can say, when we're in, if you're in a time of plenty, you can say, Lord, I'm going to come in my plenty and I'm going to fix my eyes on you and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to believe you, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to pray. But it's so much, so harder to do that when everything's going so well. Jesus uh, spoke to Nicodemus and he said to him, you must be born again. And many of us will know that, uh, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And he, and he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He said, well, how can I go into my mother's womb? He said, no, listen. <laughs> he didn't say that, that's in the message version. Um, <laughs> you've got to see it with spiritual eyes. You've got to touch it. You've got to enter it. In spiritual ways, you've got to be born from above. Well, the heart of this message is faith isn't just getting some things done because we've had the boldness to pray about it. It's about living by faith, not by feelings. It's by engaging with God through the mechanism of faith, through everything we do, whether it's in your workplace, in your home life, in your social life, in your own head. We engage with God in faith. We need to do it by faith. See, God wants to take us into new places in him, into the more of God. And the only way that we get there is through faith. So this week, when we're going to pray, when we're going to get together and we're going to seek God, or whenever you're going to do things at home or in whatever kind of way you do it, we do that by faith. And when the church is activating faith, we are moving into the promised land. See, I want to challenge you to ask God to speak to you afresh this week and to be obedient to that word. That you've got to focus on God. I've got to focus on Jesus. I'm looking forward to this week to set this week apart to say, I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to listen, be open in my heart to the Holy Spirit to speak to me, to minister to me, to draw me into this wonderful place in the Spirit that we can know God. And I want to challenge you to the same, to put into action what God has already said to you. Maybe God has already spoken to you and you've been pulling it off. Or maybe going to Jesus and asking him, um, when was the last time I really put my faith in you and didn't just control my situation? There are many things that maybe we could challenge one another with. But here's the point. We want to grow in faith. We've got to believe who Jesus is. And we need to heed the warnings of unbelief. Maybe that's something that God will challenge you. Maybe there's unbelief in your heart. You've kind of given up on God. You've pushed him aside. 
uh, it's no longer relevant to you right now, or you, you just got things handled. I don't know. And the third thing, are you, are you activating faith? Are you just living your life, going day to day, just doing the things that are very Christian? Or are you, in your heart, you're saying, Lord, today I'm yours. Today I'm going to believe you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God. Lord, I'm going to believe you for my situation, for my family. I'm living in relationship with God. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Would you like to stand with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that your great heart to love mankind was declared through Jesus. And he is our saviour. Lord, you are a wonderful God. Lord, we should fear you, but yet your love and your mercy causes us to be drawn to you. Lord, into your house, into your family. And I thank you, Lord, for this church family. Thank you, Lord, that we can encourage one another to keep our eyes on you. But Lord, will you make us more and more a people of faith that are entering into more of you every day. Lord, we will never find the depths of you, of who you are. Lord, will you help us to know you more. Lord, and as we seek you this week as a church, Lord, we ask that you might speak. Speak powerfully, Lord. Come and minister to our lives, into this church. Come and bring your word, Lord, that we may know together, Lord, that we are moving together in your will and your purposes. And Lord, we ask you to do mighty things in our midst. But I want to thank you for Jesus. Lord, thank you for this opportunity just to consider Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Jesus' name. Amen.